Hello, and welcome to Steel Wheel Stories with your hosts, Chris Jowett and Jake Somerville, where we talk about stories of collecting, restoring, and showing steam engines and prairie tractors made before 1930. Join us while we and guests share stories of the hunt, tales of restoring, and the memories we have made over the years. Uh, thanks for joining us today for our second episode of Steel Wheel Stories. Uh, with us today, we have a special guest. Uh, we have Dylan Connor with us today. Uh, Dylan, uh, can you start out and kind of where are you from? That sort of thing. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Uh, my name is Dylan Connor. Um, I am from Wisconsin originally. Uh, grew up in the town of Aaron, so Richfield, Hartford, Slinger area, if anyone is familiar with that. Um, living in Michigan now, just outside of Mason. Been here for Oh gosh, five, almost, I think it's five years now, which is kind of mind blowing to think, but, um, yeah, been, been here, loving it. Got a lot of good buddies out here and, uh, things are good. Well, that's good. That's good. And of course, with us is, uh, Jake Somerville as usual. Um, you know, I guess that kind of brings up an interesting subject now that you're, you say that you grew up in Wisconsin and you're Michigan. I mean, you got to tell us how that happened. I mean, I know, but our, our guests definitely don't know. And, you know, obviously the hobby kind of made that happen for you. We probably ought to throw this in there, too, that Dylan is one of our really good buddies. So we kind of know the ins and outs of yeah. everything to do with Dylan here. So we're going to be asking him some questions that we maybe already know the answer to, but it'll be all right. Oh, yeah, it'll it'll be all good. Um, <laughs> no, uh, there was um, – Michigan has always been, especially the, the Mason area specifically, has always been kind of a special place for me. Um, ever since I started going to uh, the show, uh, the Michigan Steam Engine and Threshers Club show, which is where um, a lot of my roots got planted or started to get planted, I should say. And um, kind of a few contributing factors went into me coming here, but um, a big part of it was, yeah, the hobby. Um Jake's uncle Scott, um, good friend of ours as well. He has a shop in Mason. Uh, it's called H and H Welding and Repair. Um, great, great shop. They do a lot of good work over there, machining, fabricating, things like that. But um, I was actually um, offered a position there within the company, and between that and having some really good roots already kind of planted in this area with a lot of steam, um, I figured, why not make the move? Never thought I would leave Wisconsin, never really wanted to or had any plans to, but it just kind of worked out to where if it wasn't going to be there, it might as well be here. Yeah, yeah I mean, really. <clears throat> go ahead. Yeah, we've really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed having, having Dylan around. But <laughs> Dylan, I think you got to go back a little bit farther to kind of really where you got the ideas of even, you know, making a potential move. And that was the Watheon uh, National Thrasher Show there a couple, of, I don't know, it's probably six or seven years ago. Uh, maybe it's been longer than that. Time gets away. But, uh, yeah, when you came and uh, you were with a friend of ours from Wisconsin also, and uh, it had rained all that time and you ended up losing your keys. You got to oh. go into that story a little bit. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard this story, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh, this is this is a good one. This is yeah. this is my this is everybody around here. This is everybody's welcome to Dylan Counter weekend. Yeah, it was it was real great, real good. Uh, <laughs> actually, I need to open a I need to crack a, a beer for this one. Um, 
<laughs> so yeah, I, I had just, um, I'd been in, the, I've been in the hobby for a while. Um, I hadn't really expanded too far at that point just because, um, I was younger and it was harder to travel and, you know, you know, you're only can do so much, um, in a year, but yeah, I, I was able to get to, uh, Wasion, which, um, I figure we'll, we'll probably get into Clayton here in its own, in, in his own little segment, but, uh, my good buddy Clayton Hendrickson uh, from Edgerton, Wisconsin, was like, "Hey, you know, let's go to Wasion. It's going to be a great time. It's a big show. We've been going there for a while." Um, so I was like, yeah, "Absolutely!" So hopped in the car and we drove out there, or the truck, I should say. And oh yeah, it was my car. That's right. Duh. And <laughs> long story short, um, yeah, not only was it my first time, but it also was an absolute monsoon, which that was 2015, which was the Baker feature. Um, yep. First day was was great. Um, I got to see the whole place and get a feel for it. And I'm thinking, wow, this is awesome. Like this is, this is what, this is what it's all. Um, yeah. It's 2015. Uh, first year was 2015, which was the Baker feature, um, which the first day was fantastic. Uh, beautiful weather. I really got a good feel of what it was all about. Got to meet a bunch of people, um, see engines and other folks that I'd only known through, you know, Facebook and other sorts of, uh, social media and it was just like wow this is this is awesome this is what it's all about um and then uh that night a huge monsoon monsoon rolled in and absolutely rained on the parade quite literally to the point where the entirety of the bowl on the inside of the track there was was full of water um there was water up to the platforms on engines up to the axles i mean it was it was not just a rain out it was an absolute washout I've never um, seen anything like it. It was unbelievable. Bad. It was really, really bad. And, you know, the running joke with Wasion is that it's either raining or it's a dust bowl, which is very true. Um, if you're you're lucky enough, usually a couple of years where you get a couple of good days mixed in there, but generally there's at least one rain day and one day where it before it rains, it's an absolute dust storm. So um, in that particular situation, it was pretty wet. And it turned out to where – because it was so wet and most of us at that age were all intense. We didn't have campers or anything yet. We all went to uh, the hotel, which is that a best Western? What is that? Uh, it could have been, it might've been a holiday in at that time or something. Well, I want yeah, whatever whatever it is. Two hotels right there, I guess. Isn't there? Yeah. 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 I think there is. Yeah. This one is right next to the ground. So the entire show pretty much moved to the hotel. Um, the main lobby was, full of you know greasy dirty smelly steam people that up until that point were having a grand old time um and i was like wow what a what an experience this is now we're all inside we're playing card games when yesterday we were outside you know belting up and um turned out to be a pretty good time but in all the confusion and chaos and 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 whatnot i lost my keys and i had drove me and clayton out there and uh of course, this is my first time meeting Jake and Madison and all the other people I run around with now. And so I'm like, wow, okay, I know these folks from Facebook. I know who they are. They got pretty good backstories. I should probably make sure I make a good impression. Um, which, of course, it ended in me frantically pounding on people's doors, wanting to <laughs> know where my keys were. <laughs> and Clayton's thinking he's not going to get home and he's going to have to call a cab or a flight or something. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I'm I'm going in and out of people's rooms, and they're like, "This guy's nuts." He's, and uh, 
yeah, it all worked out. Ended up finding the keys. Kind of said, sorry, guys. Good to see you. To catch you next time, hopefully. Um, and that was that. So, luckily, I was not... Uh, <laughs> I was not removed from the situation because I was. They all thought I was nuts or something. So that's good. Yeah, that was a that was a first impression that will never be forgotten. And Dylan has really carried that through the rest of our friendship here up to this point. And there is never a dull moment when we're together. You don't mess with tradition. <laughs> that's a fact. You know, I've never I've never heard that story, and I, I'm just sitting here thinking the whole time. I was like, I don't know why I'm surprised to hear this story. This sounds exactly like Dylan. Well, I felt like a jackass when I was doing it, so I don't generally, you know, blatantly come out and tell everybody how I first met these guys because I sound like an absolute jackass in the video, like or in the story. <laughs> so it's, it's uh. all- only until someone like Jake and a podcast says, "Hey, let's tell the whole world how you met them." Yeah, uh, oh, man. and anybody who you know knows me at this point goes, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah of course, of course, that's what happened." Oh man, <laughs> my gut hurts from laughing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, it was it was painful in the moment. But it's good now to look back. Well, you know, really, really, if it wasn't for that rain out, though. You know, we probably wouldn't have spent as much time as we did all together there, and we probably wouldn't have like gotten to know each other so well over those rain days where we were stuck literally in the same room together. So, oh yeah, yeah. Especially, and I I should probably mention this part too because I think this is an important part of what made that weekend so memorable was this hotel has a pool and they have <laughs> a hot tub. <laughs> And I, once again, if anybody has ever traveled with me before in any capacity knows that I love pools. Uh, everyone's usually, you know, chilling in the hotel room or in the lobby, and I'm, like, running to grab my swimsuit, and I'm hopping in the pool. Well, in this case, everybody had the same idea. Everyone got in the hot tub, and it was, I mean, it was breaking its banks. This thing was overflowing. <laughs> oh, everyone dirty and greasy and sooty and covered in grass and whatever was blown around that day, chaff, you know, and this layer of pond scum sat on top of this hot tub water to the point where oh you, could, you could scoop it up and, and plop it, you know, basically on the edge of the pool. It was pretty gross. Uh, but, <laughs> but it was in those moments between you know, <laughs> sitting in the hot tub or playing cards in the lobby or, you know, shooting the shit inside of the hotel rooms and drinking beer. That's, that's really where I think, yeah, I, I agree. A lot of those connections were, were really born and crafted. <laughs> Man, the Dylan and pools. That's another story. Yeah. <laughs> I picture Vic, Vic Johnson standing at the, at the window in DeWitt, Iowa with his hands <laughs> up in the air and Dylan's the only one in this hotel pool. I was kind of thinking. Oh, he, did he almost had that look in his eye. <laughs> yeah, it's not a it's not an exaggeration when it comes to and I finally asked your buddy Dusty was at your bachelor party and you know I was sitting there thinking like it was whatever time of night and you guys were going to jump in the pool the pool was like last thing on my mind and I asked your buddy Dusty, I was like, was he deprived as a child? Like did he not get to go swimming or something? Like this is a thing with this kid. Like he loves the pool. And Dusty was like, no, man, like one of you guys had a pool in your backyard or something or other. He said, you know, yeah, this and that. yeah I was like, he, he just loves pools. I mean, you can't knock the guy for that. He loves his pools. I do love my pools. I, I can't get enough. Give me, and I always need goggles, man. I'm always diving for something. 
<laughs> this is Diamond. the thing when this is the thing with Dylan. Where here we are talking about steam engines, and we end up in the pool. We yeah. I, yeah. it just yeah. always happens. It always yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right so let's uh let's take it back a little bit you uh you ended up at wafi on with clayton and it yeah. sounds like really started for you at what point did steam really become part of your life in wisconsin um i have to attribute a lot of that if not all of it to my third grade teacher kathy Weberg, who was very big into uh local history uh, in the town of Richfield, which is where I was going to elementary school. Um, and real long story short, she was the president of the Richfield Historical Society at the time. And she wanted to really implement as much of that into our studies as far as local history goes. So she had a really cool opportunity to bring us to the local uh, threshold in Richfield, which is still going on. And um, that was really where I think it started. I, I always had a fascination just like every other little kid did, you know, with trains and Thomas and all that growing up. I mean, I think we all, whether you're in this hobby or not, we've watched an episode of Thomas, the tank engine, but it, I think it was that, that, that connection to something local that really caught my attention, even at a very young age. I mean, what are you like uh, eight years old in third grade, something like that. Sure. Um, but going to that show and seeing this equipment in person, and being able to get up on the platform and, and that was, I think the ultimate, that that's where it started. That's where I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. This is what I want to do. This is what I want. I want more of this. Um, so in doing that, I was able to meet some really great people. Um, two of which, uh, very influential at, at the early stage, Phil Pulvermacher, um, who had a 12 horse case, uh, that he had put together from parts from all over the country um, which is very reminiscent of a lot of stories of guys who, you know, we've, we've go talked with and traveled with who've gone all over the place to find what they need to make something work. Um, and he, he was very gracious in getting me on the platform and, and letting me learn it hands-on. Another one, Matt Harvey, who's um, very, very involved with the hobby yet, um, owns a boiler shop and repair shop over in Campbellsport, Wisconsin. He's got a, a 75 case or 25, I guess, whichever way you want to look at it. But um, between those, those initial early on folks, that's really what kick started it. I didn't have um, a family that was into the hobby or into any facet of antique uh, equipment and any, in any, you know, capacity. It was simply, I like this. I want to be more involved in this and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to climb that ladder, so to speak. Um, and it just kind of went on from there. Yeah. I think it's pretty interesting that you, you are so involved in it now and it's, it's ingrained in your DNA much like it is as Chris and I, but Chris and I, we, we come from a much different background, you know, where it's, where it's generational in both of our families and, uh, Dylan's family just, I mean, they, they weren't in it, but his, his dad was really supportive and his younger years getting in out to, that Ridgefield show and, you know, getting him, getting him the exposure because as a little kid, he was, you were all about it. So, uh, I would right. say now you're, I mean, you're no different than, than Chris and I, I mean, that's the first thing you think of when you get up in the morning is last thing you're thinking about when you go to bed. Yeah. yeah. I started when you're real, real little. Right. It gets in your blood. Um, and I think that's really what the hobby is all about is the people that, that bring you into the inner sanctums of, of, 
of what it's all about. And, and without those people that are opening those doors for you and, you know, lifting you up higher and higher, it's, you know, the, I mean, that's what it's all about is those people. And so those, those first few influential, and like you said, my dad, I can't, I guess I really can't leave my parents out either because although they weren't involved and we weren't involved as a family. Yeah. My dad was very good about, Hey, you know, let's, let's go to the show. And he'd drive me and my mom would work the food booth at the Richfield show. Um, it was just, it was, it, it, it didn't start as a family affair, but it certainly has become one. Yeah. I mean, your dad, yeah. I mean, I'm not in Michigan anymore to see you guys. It seems like your dad is there almost every time that I'm there, you know, which is for events a lot of times too, but it definitely seems like your dad is still putting the effort forward to support you and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I owe a lot to them. And actually my dad, my first, my first true steam engine that I ever really owned that was, um, of any sort of real importance was we went down to Georgia. We went down to Georgia. This is another good one. Chris, I don't know if you know this. (laughs) Well, his dad has told me the story one time. I actually heard it from Ken. Uh, I'm hearing it from Dylan. Oh, well, I'm sure I was looking at it in a much different uh, mindset because I was a kid in a candy shop where he was driving my ass in the middle of the night down to Georgia in the pouring rain to go pick up a toy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I we had we had found a, a two inch scale uh, or a one six scale whichever way you, you look at those things um, little K steam engine that was um, really in, in great shape and all together and it was just something that I saw and I, I'd always been following along on those websites where they had scale models or um, uh, I guess any any sort of kit you could buy or build and i was always like oh what's the next thing i can afford as a you know eight-year-old kid and finally my dad goes uh hey you know if this is something that you really think you want uh i'll loan you the money you pay me back over time and we'll go down and get this thing so that's what we did so we started off we we drove i think we left at like three or four in the morning and we took our 2001 chevy suburban all the way down there and by the time we got there, we drove straight. I mean, of course, you stopped for gas a couple times and whatnot, but we drove all the way down to Georgia, and we picked this thing up. And this guy was like a doctor or something. I don't even know, but he had this crazy-looking house, like something out of, like, the 60s, where it was all crazy angles and big windows and really eccentric. And last place you'd think you'd find a little steam engine, but sure enough, there it was in his garage. And uh, he invited us in. We had a water, talked to him for a little bit, loaded the thing up. And we drove to the closest motel. We were dog-ass tired, ready to call it a day. And my dad was like, I don't trust this thing sitting in the in the truck. We got to bring it inside. So we lifted it out of the Suburban, and we rolled this thing into the hotel down the hallway and, in, and into the hotel room. I, I kid you not, I, I slept on the floor with the thing next to it like a dog. I uh, I put my pillow on the floor and I took a blanket down there and I slept next to it. I was so excited. And uh, <laughs> we got maybe five hours of sleep, six hours of sleep, something like that. Loaded her back in, hit the road, and the rest is history. So how did you uh, how'd you how'd you find it for sale at the time? Um, there was there's I, I don't even know if this website's still around anymore. It was like I have no idea. It's like Discover Live Steam or something like that. Which okay, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That one's still around. I don't know if it was that one. I want to say it was a different one, but it was one of those types where um you know, it's got all the little uh classified listings on it by categories and whatnot and 
I was always looking at those even at a very young age thinking, okay, if I scrap together 20 bucks here and if I sell um, some uh, something I build in my garage, maybe I can come up with another hundred bucks, you know, and always trying to figure out how we could buy a model steam engine. And at that point I was all over YouTube watching stuff. And I I think I just kind of happened to stumble upon it. And um, we actually, my dad, you know, being that he hadn't, grown up in this or been around it at all had no idea what the thing was worth so we actually he got in touch with somebody to get us a um uh, an appraisal on it so that he felt you know good about going down there and getting it and we did that and it was all everything was lining up right number wise so uh just kind of decided to call a guy and pull the trigger and it was really really exciting because up until that point i'd just been playing with little you know Walescos and mammids and you know what everybody had growing up um, but this was an opportunity to have a real, a real steam engine in my eyes. So I, I begged and pleaded and said, I'll do whatever you need me to do to pay you back. Like, we got to go get this thing. And we did. So like, how old were you at that time? I think I was probably, oh gosh, the picture I have of me standing with it in the garage is, is awful. I've got hair, like one of the beetle <laughs> I'm wearing like a purple plaid button-up shirt. I've got glasses like Harry Potter. I had to be probably in sixth grade, fifth or sixth oh, okay. grade. Yeah, it was. I was pretty young. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. I mean, uh, it, it's really neat. You said you, you don't really come from a background like us where it was already in our family, and to start off like that, it's really neat to to hear that story. Yeah, it's it's those kinds of things that. Um, you know, it's all about starting small. If you're not, whether you're in the hobby your whole life, your family was or not. Um, and I think people that get discouraged because yeah, I mean, this, this can be a very, very expensive hobby. Um, not only just what the equipment costs, but the maintenance and the, uh, the rebuilds and the traveling and the hauling. So it, at, at first glance, it can seem like, Oh my gosh, how am I ever going to get into this? But I'm, I'm telling you, man, starting small, it's it's just a way to kind of get your, your foot in the door and, and feel comfortable um, and kind of build on to, onto that, and that's what I did. Sure, sure. So that was kind of like your first, your first engine buy, and then, uh, you know, I guess how many years later you kind of jumped into your second engine buy that was kind of a big, big step, I'd say, for you, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, that was, the, that was the ultimate dream come true right there. That was where even – even though I say these things like, oh, yeah, start small. You never know. It'll always work out. Um, I, I still was very un, unsure if it was ever going to happen for me because I'm thinking, wow, um, these things are getting further and further out of reach. And I just I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it happen for a long time. But, uh, yeah, I guess we, we could probably get into that story, Jake, uh, yeah. to find how, we, how we found that one. <laughs> this is another so, good one. That, yeah, this is – Kind of a long time coming, really. We kind of half talked about it and didn't think nothing of it. And then all of a sudden it got real one day. Yeah, it was, you know, it's funny how when you when you go back generations of listening to stories about how our parents or our grandparents or how other folks in the hobby obtain their equipment, um, it's amazing how the, it's changed over the years. It, you know, from just a word of mouth thing or flying around in planes and someone calling their buddy or stopping into greasy spoon diners uh, nowadays it's finding stuff online i mean it's it's really becoming the way that i think a lot of us are finding not only equipment but 
um, parts, pieces, accessories, whistles. I mean, all, all the stuff that kind of makes the world go around in the hobby can really be found online now. Um, of course, doing your own sleuthing and digging and traveling is still at the heart of it. But um, yeah, I mean, who'd have thought 20 th- years ago, you've been, you, you're at someone's auction, you tell them all, buy one of these on the internet one day, you know, <laughs> it's just, yeah. You yeah, never think you'd go that, that 30 <laughs> advanced, Chris, that was another online deal. Yeah. I mean, so the 60, it was a Facebook thing, wasn't it? Yeah. The guy had it on Facebook marketplace. Um, and he had been hired to, I don't know if he was hired or just helping out, but he was selling it for the family. Um, and initially it had been posted for a higher price. Um, the pictures weren't all super great and, you know, it was down it was in on tech. There for a while. It was on there for like several months. It was, which I couldn't believe it that nobody had, had tackled that because, you know, especially nowadays, if there's anything on Facebook, um, whether it's a marketplace uh, post or, or just a, you know, a personal post someone, you know, made it's, it's shared all over instantly. And it's, it's no longer a secret. It um, usually gets made up pretty fast too. you like uh, lots of tough stuff doesn't sit around unless it's just needs a lot of work or whatever. Well, oh, that yeah. was the thing about that was the thing about that post. We'd we'd seen it, and we Dylan and I remember sitting there going through these the pictures with him, and I like Dylan just said like the pictures weren't super great, and like there wasn't any information, and uh, we just I we just kind of let it go. Yeah, it and looked then, rough. It looks really yeah. rough. And of course, you know we're we're into the point in our lives now, and especially you, Chris. Now that it's your it's your business, but you know, Jake and myself, and you know, we're a lot of our buddies. We we work on our equipment, and it's not so much. It's not so scary anymore. Now it's just it's just work. You know, you just do it. It's it's part of the part of the fun, part of the enjoyment of the hobby, is seeing what's underneath all the rust and the grime um, and knowing that, Hey, all it takes is a little bit of work and this thing's going to be, you know, a real, really nice piece. Um, but even still looking at those pictures of this thing was down in Texas. I'm thinking, Oh man, I just, I don't know. It, it's not, I don't know if it's what I want. And it had rubber bolted to the rear wheels. Um, it was missing uh, one of the skid rings. It had a canopy that was falling apart. It just looked really rough. And I'm thinking, I don't think this is the one. There's got to be something closer. Um, yeah, it's not like it was in your backyard where you could hop in the pickup and go take well, a look yeah. at it. Yeah, yeah that's that's another that's another thing. Like that was you know the, the stuff that we're finding on you know on, on Facebook. Yes, yeah, some of the stuff's halfway across the damn country, and this was kind of one of those deals that we were really taking this guy kind of by word a little bit, and I guess Dylan went back and forth with the guy, but. Never this guy that uh, Dylan was dealing with, I guess, wasn't really a, a true steam guy, so he wasn't overly competent in what he was speaking to. Sure, no, and actually, he was a car salesman on top of it. So, <laughs> or, <laughs> so, so it's, oh boy, uh, what am I, <laughs> what I, I, what am I doing here? You know? But yeah, like you said, Jake, it was going back and forth for a long time, and I'm very fortunate. Um, he was very nice. Uh, when it came to, I'd say, hey, I really appreciate the last 25 pictures you sent me, but I need about 40 more. Um, yeah. And I need them at this angle with this light. You know, very specific pictures for boiler condition and gearing and everything else. And um, and he was happy to oblige, and he sent he took the time to do that. And um, you know, we had a lot of phone conversations, um, both myself and him, and then Jake. You were in a couple of them too. Um, 
and it came down to we were in uh, Jake's dad's shop, uh, Tim, and he's got a TV in one of um, one of the rooms there that we plugged Jake's phone in so we could see the pictures big on the TV. And we all stood around and looked at these things as he swiped through. And uh, I, I, every one that we swiped to the next, it was getting better and better and better to the point where we're like, okay, this is looking good. And I remember Scott, he goes, all right, well, whether you buy it or I do, it's coming back to Mason. So figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In true, in true yeah. Scott fashion there. Yeah, oh, it yeah. was too. It was. Yeah, I think he put his head down. He said that, put his head down and walked out the room, you know, kind of like a mic drop. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm buying a freaking steam engine. So called the guy. Um, and I said, you know, I, I am kind of taking a gamble here because it is technically sight unseen. I hadn't gone down there. And at that point I was definitely not in the financial market to be flying down to Texas, you know, to go look at a steam engine. So I'm kind of like, all right, well, hauling this thing up and it's, it is what it is. Um, and she came home I made the phone call. Um, we, you know, I sent him down payment. She came home on, Oh, what was that? Friday, April 12th, 2019. Um, and I remember it was funny. I was in the, <laughs> I was at work and it was about noon or something like that. And I get a call from uh, Tim Monroe, who the, who d- did a lot of our hauling around here for years and years. Really good guy. He went down and got it for me. And he called me and said, hey, I'm about 20 minutes from Mason. And I, I couldn't focus on anything that day. I probably should have just called in sick that morning. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. And I, I remember I walked into Scott's office and I'm like, hey, Tim just called uh, engines here. I got to go. I'm going to go help him unload it and I'll be back. And he's like, bullshit, you're not coming back. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, probably not. I'll I'll see you later. So sure enough, got home, watched it come in the driveway. Uh, Jake, your grandma Jane, come out, saw it, took a bunch of pictures, gave me a big hug. And then slowly throughout the afternoon, um, the word had spread. And that's kind of the cool thing about living in Mason, too, is um, it's such a steam-saturated area that stuff's coming home a lot. Uh, and at, you know, all over the the place. So it's kind of like an annual tradition that, Hey, who, you know, who just bought something, let's go look at it. You know, we bring them a case of beer. We all joke around, shake your hand, look at it, talk about it. And for the first time in my entire life, I was that guy. I was the guy that people were shaking the hands and bringing me a case of beer and saying congratulations. And it was just, it was a surreal feeling in every, in every way. Um, and we started ripping on it right then and there, which is also in true Somerville fashion. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't hit the ground without you know the the gaudy parts coming off right off the bat. So <laughs> I think we had yeah, the canopy off in like a half hour, and then Jake was cutting the lugs of the uh, the rubber lugs off. It was it looked like a completely different engine within two hours of it being there. Oh yeah, we we added several thousand dollars of value just taking stuff off of that that day. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the comment that always amuses me is from Jake is that you know you got to get a ride out of it, you know. So so how quick was it before you started getting a ride out of it? Um Ooh, it wasn't this Yeah, yeah. this one. <laughs> this the first the first go around. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I call it a ride. <laughs> yeah. You'll have it that was... though. It was all it was exciting. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we definitely needed to do some some cleaning on it um, before it was ready to go. Um, I had to flush the boiler out really good. The thing had sat since 1976. Um, the last time it had ran, according to what I know, I I know very little history on it, unfortunately, um, which is the history on these things is a big, big part of what I love about them so much. But fortunately, a lot of it's lost to the time. But I do know the last time it ran was in 1976. Um during the bicentennial parade in Goldway, Texas. And I think basically, as they tell me, they brought it back home, backed it in the barn and that was it. So it was, and this thing had been run hard. Uh, so it was tired. It was wore out. Um, boiler was really good. I was very fortunate on that, but we definitely checked it over, flushed it out. Um, I had to, we pulled the crankshaft because the disc was loose on the crankshaft. So um, we had to pull that, put that back. You know, we, we took the disc off, uh, brazed it up, boarded it out, welded up the shaft, turned that, put it all back together, whatnot, made new key, and just kind of got it to where it wasn't, you know, dangerous to run it, and finally got it to where we lit a fire. Um, but we spent, we spent a long time getting that thing to where it wouldn't, boil over uh foam it was it was bad they had i think that they had laid it up with diesel fuel which some of the older gents would probably know more than i on this one but i i hear that a lot of people uh especially in the working days would would lay them up with some type of a, a soap or a fuel or something of some sort uh, at the end of the year and it would kind of help preserve that steel of the boiler which it did um although it was a absolute disaster trying to clean it out and get that oil out of the boiler um, it definitely did a good job in preserving the innards, um, looks great inside. So I was very fortunate, but yeah, it was, it was a mess. I think we moved it about 10, 20 feet and it was just, I mean, there was just it was over bad. every, every oh, stroke. Yeah. We had the I drains mean, open and geysering yeah. out. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't hardly have the, the water glass up to the indicator and it was just pulling over. I mean, it wouldn't hardly move itself. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. You can tell it was it had sat for a long time. <laughs> but uh, over that next year, um, we did what we had to do to get it to clean, get cleaned out, and um, just kept working on it and fixing little pieces. And um, actually, it was that same year that it come home at the Mason show. It I actually brought it to Mason for the case feature in 2019. So that was in April, it come home, and in July it was at a steam show. Yeah, I guess yeah. I didn't really realize when you started that uh, that was the first year that I came to Mason, and I, I really thought that the 60 had been there long and together as I was listening to it to realize that, that was the first show that it was at that year that I was Yeah. Yep, and I didn't plow with it. Um, I wasn't. There was a few things we needed to get snugged up before we went and did any real heavy work with it, but um, got her in the belt, and the eccentric on that was absolutely smoked. Um, I don't know if I've heard a louder one uh, in my travels. I'm sure maybe one of you have, but it was really, really, really bad. So although it sat in the belt and thrashed some wheat and turned a, a fan a couple times, it did not sound good doing it. <laughs> it was wishy-washy. It was, it was clunky, clanky. It was bad, but man, I was still sm grinning ear to ear. I was, I was having a great old time. I can attest to the smile. I've, I think I have a couple of videos that show the the smile that can be seen worldwide. 
he didn't have a very big smile on him that year after he got it all fixed up and was plowing at Mason and found some Babbitt laying on the boiler though. Oh man, that was that was awesome. We need to do a whole segment on we need to do a whole segment on that. All all the jokes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah tell, is, tell yeah. your <laughs> tell your tell a Babbitt story and then we'll uh, we'll get into the the uh over to uh, my dad's for our, the little play day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're oh man, where do I start? So Babbitt, that would have been at uh well I think that was wasn't that at Walker or Damon's though? No. Yeah. No. Yeah, it was at Damon's. Yeah, it was, was at, it at Damon's. Damon's? Oh, yeah, I was, was thinking that's Mason, but yeah, you're right. It was a Damon's. No, it was a Damon's, yeah. and it was right um, after he got off the dyno there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Jake's put together this this really nice dyno, him and Dale. Um, and it is just the cat's ass to have at any play day in any facet. You just haul it over and back it in, and you're good to go. You have all the fun you want. And uh, I just that whole winter leading up to that, um, I had tore the engine completely down to the boiler and went through the whole thing mechanically. Um, and it all went back together. And uh, I was real excited to get it out and stretch your legs. You know, it had brand new rings and new bore and, you know, the uh, centric had been machined. It was all, all ready to rock. I was, I was pumped and it did good. Uh, backed her in the belt. Um, rings was still seating in, of course. So she had some, some ways to still go, but it was pounding a little hard out. And uh, I was, I could not be happier. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> of course, when you tear something down and put it all back together, you're constantly screwing with your shims and your bearings and making sure things are set right and you're not overheating anything. Um, and I was very confident that I had been doing that properly to the point where there were going to be no problems. And Scott had walked over to uh, the flywheel side, and he's got – I don't know if, if you've never met Scott Somerville. Um, there's a look on his face that is kind of – this like stoic looking deep into your soul look when something's wrong. <laughs> and you can spot, dude, you can spot that from across the universe. I mean, as soon as you see him looking at you like that, you better start thinking about what you did wrong. Cause you did something wrong. He comes walking up and he goes, that's some mighty fine pinstrapping you got. And I, I was still in, in the euphoria state of, you know, what just happened. And I had just, yeah. And I had just pinstriped the flywheel or I should say my wife did. Um, and I'm like, yeah, thanks. I, I look, turned out really great. And he gave me that stoic look and he's like, no, you got some new pinstriping on the side. And it hit me like a freaking ton of bricks, man. I'm like, Oh my God, I've got Babbitt running down the side of the wing sheet. So he, I look over and he picks up this chunk of Babbitt out of the grass and hands it up to me. And I'm thinking, no, there's no way. There's no way that bat, that, that bearing got hot, especially that hot. I mean, it, it was a lot of Babbitt. I'm like, what the, what the hell? And I'm holding this thing and he could tell that I was starting to self implode and that, you know, the, the world was crashing down around me. And he starts laughing and he goes, you know, come to think of it. That Babbitt looks just like the piece of Babbitt I picked up my shop for this morning after I did some pouring. And I'm like, you <laughs> son of a... Oh, oh my God. I, I've never been in this middle state of pissed and relieved at the same time where I'm like, dude, oh my God. 
it was a fantastic prank. And so, yeah, I did not melt out my bearing. Um, but he had just poured, what was that? Was that the valve stem guide on the 20 Taylor? Yeah. The, the slide for the, uh, the Grimes valve link there. Yeah. And he had just poured that. And, uh, so he had some fresh Babbitt laying on the floor and he went, Ooh, I don't have to do with this. He had set a piece right on the, where the wing sheet flanges down and bolts to the, you know, the boiler, uh, sheet. Um, and then he had set a piece in the grass. I mean, he, he planted it really well. And, uh, of course, the fact, the the fact that he actually like thought that he could do this or should do this is still (laughs) mind blowing to me. And that he pulled it off is kind of the other thing, like true professional, man, that is a big, you know, prankster jokester. I mean, he, he certainly likes to, to throw him and haul around a little bit, but I would have never expected it. I, your dad, Jake, that was something your dad would do. I would have never thought Sam, or uh, Scott would do that. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's that's all. That's like good, harmless fun. Like, oh, yeah. I guess you got to oh. do it with your buddy. I mean, you wouldn't go up and do that to a like a stranger or something like that. But that's kind no. of initiation. That's like, yeah, Dylan, you're in Mason. You're part of our family. You're part of the Steam community here. We're all having fun. Oh yeah, it, it felt good, it, and it was one of those things where I, that was exactly how I felt. I'm like, all right, I I finally made it. I got an engine that's rocking and rolling. I feel good. My buddies are having a good time. It was just a. I remember I remember going to bed that night. Well, I, actually, I don't know if I remember going to bed that night because I think at, by the time the lights went out, we probably all drank a couple beers. But um, <laughs> I I do remember at some point laying my head down and thinking, wow, what a great day this was. You know, it's just. That's and that man, I can't tell you how many times I've had that feeling in this hobby. You know, where whether it's something that happened in your own backyard um, with your own engine on your own time after work one night, or if it's something you traveled halfway across the country for. Um, every every time we're around our buddies around this equipment, that's the feeling that I get. You know, it's just it's great, it's priceless. Yeah, definitely something to make you look forward to something all the time like it's always all right what's next weekend what's what's next weekend what's next weekend Mm -hmm. our wives might think differently sometimes but i think ultimately they it all works out (laughs) oh i i definitely think they think differently a lot of the times most of the time yeah Yeah. that's all right they'll they probably secretly enjoy us all getting together because i know they do but uh you know, maybe sometimes they wish that it wasn't steam engines that brought us together. But... Yeah, maybe they wish it was like yeah. I don't know, scuba diving or something. Yeah, or Swimming like pools. Wayne Smith says sometimes. I think he's the one that says that. He's like, at least it's not like stamp collecting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a, you know, it's something Jake and I talked about on our first podcast, uh, which I, I don't know. Have you, have you listened to the podcast yet, Dylan? The first one? I'm... I have not. Okay, so it'll it's, it'll all come out here soon. I think I think our plans are is to you know start posting these after this one's uh, recorded. But anyways, you know something we wanted to talk about a lot was you know just the just it's a lot more to this hobby than just the steam engines. Uh, I mean, pretty much our whole talk tonight I feel has been about that uh, between getting started in the hobby for you and then meeting friends along the way, eventually you know taking a job that involved it a little bit you know through friends of the hobby and stuff like that and you know did you ever imagine that this is what would happen when you got involved in the hobby no um especially not to this capacity um 
of course, when you when you go to the shows, and that that was always something that kind of like owning an engine, where you're you're on the outside looking in, and you're going, "Wow, this is look at this this other world that these people are a part of," and they're all standing around their tents, and they're they're cooking dinners together, and they're laughing, and they're joking, and they're sitting around their campfires of their campers, and you know they're all getting on the plows together because they're buddies. I'm like, "Wow, this is like how how lucky are these people?" to be a part of the, the inner sanctums of, of this hobby and what it's all about. Um, so as much as owning an engine was a top priority for me to, to find my way in and really establish myself, the real driving force was just being a part of it, being a part of the, the conversations, you know, you go to like Wasion or, um, rock river up to, uh, I mean, I go, we've all gone all over the place, the Grange and Edgar and Rushville, Mount Pleasant, James Valley. I mean, there, are, there's so many shows where you go and you sit down with somebody at a, at a table and the conversations that are had, I mean, you don't got to say a thing. A lot of times you just go to listen. And sometimes that's, that's more enjoyable than, than being a part of the conversation, but just listening and hearing the stories and, I never thought that I was going to be seated at those tables. So yeah, as much as owning something is an incredible experience in itself, and it really kind of helps to um, establish yourself within the hobby because um, you got some, you know, some blood and sweat in the game to have, to, to be able to sit at that table and, and, and share in those conversations and those jokes and those stories, that is what it's all about. Um, and you know, like Chris, you're a good example of this. You live all the way in Missouri, and I can't tell you how many times. I feel like every time we fire up a steam engine in Michigan, you're here. And I'm like, how, <laughs> how the hell is this? I mean, it, it, it's great. It's fantastic. And your family comes along, and, you know, our family has become famous of your family. And it's just all of this. It really – I know family may sound like a, a cliche at this point, but it really is the best way to describe it because um, just like your family um, – Sometimes you don't see them very often, but you kind of pick up where you left off. Oh, absolutely. That's very much what this hobby has been about for me is not seeing people for a few months and saying, you know, you know, let's, let's go make a trip over here. Let's go to this show. We weren't planning on going to this show, but blah, blah, blah is going to be there, you know? And that's really the driving force behind a lot of the travels and uh, the sacrifices we make in our, in our uh, schedules is to, to create these opportunities to see people that normally we don't get to see. And that makes every mile worth it. I don't, whenever it comes to shows, I mean, you, obviously you can't make them all. You can't make all the trips. You can't make all the shows. Um, you try because uh, if you've ever seen grumpy old men, it's all about the experiences. Dad always says that it's, uh, just, just get in the truck. It's just get in the truck. If if the truck's going, just get in. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah and... mi- mi- missing out on an opportunity. You, not every, not every trip or not every show is is going to have the, you know, the kind of the the really bright and and shiny and most memorable thing or experience had. But man, mm-hmm. you never know unless unless you go. And you know, sometimes it's the trips that you're not really planning on having like the greatest time of your life. You end up on like kind of the greatest adventure. Right. Exactly. And it's, uh, it was, it's been a little tough this last year. Uh, of course my wife, Justy and I bought a house. Um, uh, we're, we're kind of planted now and it's, it's official. We are 
we are in Michigan. So, <laughs> which is great. Not complaining by any means, especially in today's market. But, um, of course, that, that makes it difficult to, to get around a little bit in that first year. Um, but it's one of those things where you know that if, even if you can't make it on a trip or you can't go to an auction or whatever, you say, hey, I'm, I'm coming to the next one. And and the your buddies that went on the last one uh, are going to be right there with you, and it'll be like you you never left, you know. And that's, that's what's really special about it. Yeah, sometimes, you know, some of the trips that you don't get to take and don't get to go on, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. You know, sometimes it's just equally as fun listening to those stories of the people that went on the trip, you know. I mean, I don't know how many times oh, yeah. you sit down with, you know, even some of the old timers of the hobbies and, and listen to those. Man, them stories are just implanted in your mind, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Some, of my, some of my favorite favorite interactions with the the older generations just listen to them tell the stories about chasing the iron that's you know that they've chased for years and years and years and you know how they heard about it how they how they went out and finally found the thing how they negotiated how they hauled the thing home oh my gosh i can't tell you how many stories of really wild hauling uh hauling equipment home hauling iron home you know people drive <laughs> i remember uh keith mozzie uh he he brought the uh, he had a 25 universal come out of Wisconsin and he hauled it home behind a station wagon in a triaxle bumper pull trailer. Can you imagine? Keep oh, him down by, by uh, Indianapolis from up central Wisconsin ish, somewhere up in there. I don't remember what town it was. Hauled it all the way down there a station wagon and a bumper pull triaxle trailer, a 25 universal. Can you no. imagine? And, no. in, in, in today, in today's world with today's technology, that would be a that would be an unbelievable feat. You, you or I, you know, one of one of us, we wouldn't get halfway down the driveway and something would be wrong. He hooked that thing up in whatever year it was, several several years ago, hauled that thing however many miles, probably four or five hundred miles, all the way back down there. Can't believe it. Yeah, that'd yeah. be. Yeah, you wouldn't even you just wouldn't even think about doing it today. That's all there is to it, you know. But back then. Yeah, it was the way they did stuff. That's all there was to it. Yeah, that's it. That is it. Yeah, it's it's very you know you, you listen to those stories and how they hauled stuff or how they found stuff or how they bought stuff. It's all very wild westy. Um, and it almost if if you didn't know the folks and if you didn't know where the engines were or went and didn't have the pictures to look at that get passed around, you'd think that they're full of it. It's like there's no way you did that. But I've I've seen the evidence one way or the other to back up a lot of these stories. And it wasn't that this was just like some fanatical story that they've come up with. It, and a lot of the stuff just, it's how it was. It was a different time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these guys did what they had to do. And man, it sure made for some great stories. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. There's some good ones out there. That's for sure. So I guess another question and you, and you kind of led into a little bit of this earlier, but um, you know, what what advice could you give to somebody today that wanted to get into this hobby as you did as a younger generation or even, you know, somebody, you know, middle-aged, upper age that wants to get in this hobby? What, what What's the best advice that you could give? Um, I would say if, if you have the means or if you can figure out a way to get around one way or the other, um, travel, 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 meet, go places, meet people. You know, put yourself in these positions to where people start to see your face and start to recognize you. And 
and and start to you know just listen i i really i think listening is is you can get if you can get even just a toe inside the door and crack that baby open and just so that you can listen that's huge because if you listen you pay attention you'll start to learn you'll start to recognize people and places and engines and it will kind of start to paint a picture of who's who and what's what and it might just open another door to where you 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 make a connection with somebody and you shake their hand and you and you say hey i'm blank and i really like this and i want to do this it doesn't matter if you're old young a girl or a guy it really doesn't um it just as as long as you're willing to listen um and do your research i remember when i was when i first started getting around the the engines in person you know between third and sixth grade um phil who had that 12 horse case he let me borrow his case manual, which if you go online, you can find them on eBay and Facebook and everywhere. I mean, it's, it's not hard to find one, but he had let me borrow his. Um, and I studied that thing like I was going to have to take a test for it. I, I, I studied it in and out. I stared at the drawings and the cross sections and read things. And it just it I, I, I made it part of my brain where it just it wasn't something that I thought of here and there. It was everything. It was it was what I thought about, like you said earlier, Jake, when I went to bed and when I woke up and when I was daydreaming and how does that work? How does this work? And ask questions. You know, it, I really, I truly don't think there's a stupid question. Um, we might think that there's stupid questions out there because it might sound, it might sound funny to hear something from someone who's so far out of it that it, you're like, Oh, well, of course, you know, of course it's not that, or of course it's this, but sometimes you got to take a step back and go, okay, a lot of this equipment, not only have people never seen it, but people, a lot of people don't even know it, it exists in the first place. So ask those questions and, and really try to dig a little bit, dig your heels in to where I think once you start to find people and meet people and get that in to where you can say, hey, you know, I really would like to take this to the next step and maybe get some hands on, then that's really where it takes off. Um, and those those people, if you get in with the right ones at the right time, can be lifelong influence with them. Um, I know I mentioned my third grade teacher, and I mentioned Phil and that, but um, the Hendricksons, you know, uh, are are a huge huge part of where I am today in this hobby. Um, Charlie Hendrickson, which is Clayton's dad, has been the uh, caretaker at the Rock River Threshery Showgrounds in Edgerton for gosh, I don't know, twenty five years. Somewhere in that, something like in that in that window of time, um, and now Clayton has taken that position over. Um, those guys welcomed me with open arms and and really saw that okay, this kid this kid is not just here to blow the whistle and drive through the parade. This kid wants to learn the guts of this stuff, and they're the ones that took me to Wasion, and they're the ones that took me to Mason, and took me to Sycamore, and drove me around and gave me the opportunity to really get my hands dirty. And without those people, I would not be the engineer that I am today. Um, that is a fact. Um, me and Charlie are real good friends. And of course, Clayton's one of my best friends that we've made a lot of travels with and not just steam stuff, but outside of that too. So you really build lifelong relationships in this hobby. Um, so yeah, travel, listen, do your research and stay humbled. You're never going to know it all. You never stop learning and you really need to learn to respect the equipment. If you can't respect the equipment, 
you don't need to be on it. Yeah, that, that's that's well good said. Stuff. Well yeah. said. Good stuff. Uh, it's kind of funny. <laughs> it kind of, I, I guess I'd kind of forgot about the time, but you talked about borrowing uh, the case uh, handbook from that fella. You know, I remember in middle school, I, I'm not a big reader at all. You, you, my wife, uh, she, I think it took a while for her to understand that. Like, I don't read something unless I want to read it. I'm just not a reader. But anyway, in yeah. middle school, I would, I would take those books to school with me. Like, that's what I looked at, whether it was reading them or pictures or my dad had a book that Haston St. Clair had put out in the 80s on Reeves steam engines. And I mean, that stayed in my backpack. My dad's, he's never said that he's upset about it, but I mean, that, that book spent a lot of time in my backpack and took a lot of beating over the years, you know, because that's what I looked at. And that's what I read when I was a kid, you know, because I did, I just didn't read books, you know, that's the kind of stuff that studied up on and, and looked at and read the stories in and stuff like that. So it was really neat hearing you say that because it kind of brought back memories for me. Yeah, I think I think we all, I think anybody in in the steam world or antique tractor, any any of this stuff has has found a book or a manual or uh, some type of um, of literature that has has pulled them in and they've just read from front to back and wore the thing out because it just like I said, it, it gets in your brain. It becomes everything you want to think about, and it really helps to make you you know the more familiar you become with the equipment. Um, the better you are, not only as an operator, but, you know, figuring out what's wrong or working on stuff or just being self-sufficient. Um, that, that's a big part of being a good engineer, in my opinion. Well, it makes it <clears throat> makes it really easy to have a conversation with someone that you're just meeting when, you know, you know, just a little bit about, you know, a, a Frick steam engine and a, a Peerless steam engine and an Advanced steam engine and a Reeves steam engine. When you know, like, you know, little, little things about each one, you can kind of have, you know, half a conversation with someone you've never met when you go to a show or whatever, and you walk up to them and, you know, that all comes from, you know, getting yourself exposed to that stuff. And that's, I did the same thing with the, the, you know, big Brown Jack Norbeck, uh, steam engine encyclopedia. My dad got that book for me when I was uh, little, really, really, really little. And I've got the, the binding on it almost completely wore out the thing almost falls apart but i bet you i've looked through that thing probably three four or five million times i mean every page has been flipped through and you know it's you see a picture anymore and uh you know online or someone shows you a picture of an engine and you know when you get that exposed to it you can you can almost rattle off the horsepower just based on you know just sizing it because of you know all the pictures you've looked at over the years yeah, so I think the exposure to it through, you know, literature and stuff like that, that only helps introduce you to the conversation or gets you into the conversation with someone because you can kind of have a intro or entry level conversation about it. Yeah, exactly. That I think that research is a really good tool um, to, to open a lot of different doors by being able to say, hey, yeah, I, I know something about that. Let's talk about it. And it just, like you said, turns into a conversation and who knows, it might turn into a lifelong friendship. Sure, and I think that triggers, uh, you know, some guy walks up to me and, you know, starts asking a question, well, why is this like this and not like this? Or, you know, why did why did Case do this, but Frick didn't do this, or Reeves didn't do this, or whatever? Like, man, I can talk about that stuff with a stranger all day long, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and it, it, it just really strikes up the relationship, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and what's cool too is then as you become, if, as people start to know who you are and know your name and 
and you have those conversations, it might strike up another one down the road where you start building more and more. Like you, know, you, you may have had a conversation with somebody about uh, piston rod diameters. I mean, something as, as trivial as that. But then it might turn into something where they call you and say, hey, wh- what size was that? And where did you get that? And what do you recommend for material? And this and that. And it strikes up a whole another hour-long conversation. And then it turns into, hey, we're going to be down at this show. Why don't you come down? And it, it just – it never ends. It's just – it's always compounding on itself. And uh, not only does it, 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 it keep building the knowledge within the hobby, but it just keeps building on the friendships. Yeah, that's Chris and I went on that to trip there a couple, two or three years ago. Now we didn't. We were gone. What I don't know. Where were we going? Five days, six days. Yeah, I was gonna say five days. Whatever, I think. Yeah, we we drove. Uh, I don't somewhere just shy of three thousand miles or something like that. We never had the radio on. Chris and I sat and talked talked nuts and bolts about every steam engine brand there ever could be, and then you know what if this or what if that and. We just, our conversation just rolled and rolled and rolled. And that was just shy of 3,000 miles traveling side by side there in the in the truck seats. And we just, we were talking about steam engines. And it just never, never ran out of conversation. And that's, you know, it wasn't really any uh, anything in specific or particular we were talking about or needed to talk about. But it was a really easy conversation because we both, you know, got you know, some experience with, you know, kind of a little bit of a lot of stuff. So right. just throwing stuff out there, you know, what we're experiencing, what we've seen, and just having a conversation about it. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and lots of times the conversation never veered from steam engines or tractors other than what we were having for lunch <laughs> or where we were getting a beer at that night, you know. It, yeah. it, uh, it's it's kind of crazy looking back at it. And, and that's the way most people in this hobby are. They live and breathe it. There's no halfway in, halfway out for a lot of people, you know. At any, you know, point, you know, at any point in that conversation was the question asked, does the hotel have a pool? Never. I don't think that one came up. I, I don't even know hotel, if we stayed the, at the, the hotel with a pool. What the hell's wrong with you guys? <laughs> Jake was in charge of the hotels. Well, yeah. I yeah, took care of driving. Jake took the hotels, and that's the way it was. Yeah, and that it, that brings uh, good anybody listening. If you ever travel uh, with Jake, make sure that you pee beforehand, use the bathroom beforehand, because there there are no stops. Um, it doesn't matter if you're driving. He is two hours. at heart. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're going two hours or two hundred miles. Um, yeah. you're you are strapped in, buddy. So hold it. Yeah, I remember. Look. Well, like right when I picked up, I picked him up at Kansas City Airport, and I don't know. We drove just say four hours. We looked at yeah. stuff for say two hours, and then yeah. we stopped at a fuel stop in the town to get fuel. And I mean, I go inside, I'm taking a whiz and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get me a snack because I knew that we had another, whatever it was, hour or two's worth of driving before we were going to hit dinner that night or the hotel. And so I started the fuel. I went inside, I was getting a snack, I was getting a drink and he's just out there sitting in the pickup. And I'm like, <laughs> man, we got to get back on the road. Like, can you go inside and get your stuff and get this over with? And he's like, oh, no, I'm good. And yeah, it really man. never dawned on me for like another at least another half a day that like this guy like <coughs> lunch was optional and, and dinner we relied on and and that's all he had in between. There was no in between, you know. He's nuts. I don't understand yeah. how he did it. Professional. Yeah. Professional. Yeah. Look, something. all you gotta do is say, Hey, we're gonna stop. I'm fine with stopping. I just <laughs> it ain't gonna it ain't gonna be on my dime, is all. <laughs> <laughs> 
so uh, yeah. what shows do you have on the outlook this year, Dylan? Oh boy. Um, so actually the, the, the engine is going to be going to quite a few. Um, we, we have a lot of nice little, um, local friend gatherings around this area, which, which are wonderful. Um, I, and I think, um, I think I've got probably four of those types of shows just around this area. Um, but then I'm also going to be taking the engine to Wasion. Uh, it'll be there this year. Um, it'll be going to Clarksville, Michigan, possibly down to LaGrange, Indiana. I have not organized any sort of plans for that yet in stone, but um, that's kind of on the docket of maybe. But I'm going to be going to Rock River. Um, the whole Labor Day weekend show thing can be tricky because there's a lot of really good ones. And you got Rollock, you got Mount Pleasant, you got Rock River, um, and a handful of other ones. So the the rotation of that over the years kind of changes depending on what they're featuring or where I've been before. But this year will be Rock River, um, which would be great if you've never been to that show. It is awesome. Uh, lots to see there. They got the railroad. Um, they got a lot of really cool buildings. Can't say enough good things about Rock River. So um, definitely going there. But yeah, um, try to get out to you this year, Chris. Of course, obviously, um, I have a lot of a lot of traveling to do this year. Um, through through the past few years, we've we've done quite a bit too. There. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta you gotta sacrifice a couple to get some stuff done at home. And now that I'm a homeowner, I'm sure that'll kind of uh, throw a wrench in a couple of plans. But overall, um, gonna be a busy year. Good, good. I'm looking forward to to Clarksville. I think you're you're gonna take 60 there, and I'm gonna try to take. I don't know. I think the 22 uh, advance, but I that, I guess that might be up in the air yet. And I don't I don't know. Um, It'd be good to have that there. Have you ever had the 22 at Clarksville, Jake? Yeah, I have, and I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit here. Freaking the, the flywheel <laughs> on the 22 Advance. Uh, I was waiting for this. It's, it's not, it's not it's, sufficient? Is that what you're saying? No, I had to the, – the, so for those of you who have never been to Clarksville or don't know what we're talking about, uh, Clarksville, Michigan, there's a uh, small, small show. It's been going on for – uh, it's probably somewhere between 40, 40 years, probably somewhere right around there, I think. And yeah. uh, the Blau family, they put that on, uh, are a major part of it. Um, and they've got a, a what used to be the, the Blau uh, production sawmill. They've got a, a sawmill right there in town, and uh, that used to be the production sawmill. And uh, they they had taken that out and they replaced it with a uh, a band mill. Um, and they took the that old production mill over to the showgrounds, and they set it up underneath a pavilion. And they've got an arbor that runs out there. And used to be there's two pulleys on it, and you built two steam engines up to it. And uh, I mean, just it, I don't even know how to explain it to people who've never seen it. It it's like pulling on a brake all day long when you're running like that, that mill. It is, and two steam engines on on the same arbor, and it's just pulling them for all they're worth. And so they they ended up swapping the arbor out, and they put three pulleys on it, so you run three steam engines on it. Which, if you go around the country, I think you'd be pretty hard pressed to find another sawmill that has a, enough demand of horsepower to run three engines on the same arbor. 
you know, and, and not necessarily running like auxiliary saws and all that stuff. This is essentially running a big hydraulic pump, and that's running the the blade, the top saw, the uh, the edger saws, uh, the the whole um, carriage is all hydraulics. Uh, it's got a powered off bear, uh, the whole nine yards. So you're you're really running a, a big hydraulic uh, hydraulic pump, and it whoops on three engines for three days straight. Well, back to my little soapbox. They've got it. Uh, the, that arbor runs into like a gearbox, <clears throat> and uh, they've got it to where you know the I don't know what the RPM on the that arbor is, but the pulley size on the arbor is is quite small. So you take that back to you know a, a normal engine with a forty inch flywheel, and you can you know run your engine somewhere between two thirty five and two fifty somewhere in there, uh, RPM wise, which is which is pretty all right. Well, yeah. the the twenty two that's got a forty four inch flywheel, you got to turn the thing the governor way way down, and I'm running like somewhere as like one ninety to two hundred RPM, and you know I've got my ball ranger kind of half shut on my my pick ring, so it's not getting the flow, so it's not really getting any horsepower out of the thing. So, the old ball ranger. So that's kind of my my little soapbox. I got to do something with with Marvy on. Uh, Either putting a bigger pulley down there or doing something if I'm going to take 22 back there. <laughs> you better, there. you better call him now. <laughs> there, I said it. Okay. <laughs> you hear that, Marv? You better get on that right now. <laughs> Is there any, uh, could you recommend any uh, listeners, like some good YouTube videos of that show or anything? I, I think there's a few out there. Isn't there? Man, I, I think if you type in Clarksville, steam show or clarksville steam and gas or something there there will be some some videos on there i know there's some videos of my 22 on that mill i don't think there's any videos of your 60 when you had it there dylan but no it was also but, about 150 degrees outside uh yeah that was bad that was really really bad that year it was it was hot and actually i should um i should upload a couple because What's cool, like you were saying, is they whoop on engines all day long and into the night, um, which is, if you like sawing, I mean, shit, if you like running steam engines, it, it is it is a treat because you're just running and running all day long. And what's cool about running at night is um, on the other, you've got your engine, of course, on one end, and then you've got the sawmill that's all lit up uh, in the middle. And generally, uh, unless the moon's real bright, you, you don't really see the other engines on the other end of the belt um, when it's dark out. And until they come into a cut, and so you're, you're looking into this kind of vast darkness of, of of haziness with the sawmill and all the dust flying around, and all of a sudden they come into a cut, and you just get plumes of sparks from two or three stacks, and it's just awesome uh, to see that not only just from the platform, but just being there as a spectator. And I've got a cool video because the year I was there with the sixty, um, there was a lightning storm that was moving in from the West or something. And it's not only do you have these really cool night shots of these plumes of sparks coming up in the, under the cuts, but then you've got lightning in the background. It looks like a movie. It is. So I mean, I'll have to put those on YouTube. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. It's, it's a neat little location too. Like it's just a, a, a big forest that they basically cut a square out of maybe like, what is it? Maybe half mile by half mile. Maybe not even half mile. Yeah, maybe something like that. It's it's not real big. They clear cut a you know a half mile by half mile square out of this forest, and they plop down a a steam show. It's uh, kind of a cool location. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's definitely been something I'd like to make it to sometime. Haven't made it up there yet. Well, there you go. Here's your chance. Dylan and I are going to have our engines there, our campers there. Well, it's not like I need any more excuse to come up there again, but. I'm going to say, you're probably going to be here that weekend, anyways. Who knows? It's only 700 miles. Only 700 miles. Chris, uh, one thing about Clarksville is that um, you are eating up wood left and right. It's really good to have a wood bitch. So uh, I would love for you to come up this year. <laughs> Am I honorary wood bitch if I make it? Is that what you're telling me? I'll even give you a little hat and a, and a, and a scarf, and wherever you want to wear it, it'll, it'll be honorary. It'll be beautiful. What about a place in your camper? I've always wanted to stay in your camper. Or do you, do you still have the camper? Boy, oh boy, the camper. <laughs> I've, used the, I've used the bathroom in the camper several times. It's great. Uh, yeah, I wonder my, my, in there. Yeah, my sink is always clogged every time Chris comes. I don't yeah. know why. It's weird. Weird, weirdest um, thing. The, uh, now, the, the Connor camper is, is kind of a um, – she might be on her way out. She's been around for a while, and I'm, you know, now with the the wife, I want to maybe upgrade to something a little more spacious. But boy, oh boy, has that thing! Uh, it, it don't owe me a thing. Between that and the dually, uh, it's, we've gone to a lot of shows. We've, uh, man, we've had a lot of fun in that little camper. We've stuffed a lot of people in that, and it's amazing how I'll go to a, a steam show with it or track anything, an auction, whatever, um, and I'll have enough stuff in there for me, and I'll have enough room in there for me. And by the time the night rolls around, I've got probably four or five guys piled in that thing, either drinking or burping or farting or sleeping or snoring. It's it's amazing how that happens. <laughs> yeah, it, it won't be. If you do get rid of it, it won't be the same without it. That's all. I'm no, but I, I'm I, my door is always open, always. Yeah. Well, Dylan, oh, I, I think the the biggest thing that we have proved during this episode is that we definitely need to have you back on because I feel. Like, there's a ton of missed stories uh, to be told here. Um, but I think we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Um, like, again, we appreciate you having on, having you on. And, um, you know, just great stuff. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been great. Um, it's really cool to be able to tell these stories, and I'd love to be back. Because, uh, yeah, there's definitely, definitely more to tell. Um, it's something I, I would like to leave the audience with is um, I guess two, two quick little side notes here is um, I know that we, we always are joking around about all the fun we have uh, on the night times and whatnot, you know, we drink some beer and whatnot, but it, I think one thing to stress is the safety is paramount when it comes to this equipment. Um, you know, we, we do have a lot of fun. Um, but at the same time, when it comes down to brass tacks, um, there is nothing more important in this hobby than safety that that is, that is of the utmost importance. So although we have, we joke around, we have some fun and we tell some, some goofy stories um, and we, we, we hiccup hung over now and then um, all of that happens outside of the operating hours. So I guess that's, that's something I really want to stress is um, we have fun, but we're always safe. And that is something that always remember. Um, other than that, I just, I really, like I said, always ask questions, get out there, meet people, travel, um, and, and stay humble and keep learning. Well, I appreciate you adding that in. That, that is a very good point. We, we shouldn't stress that enough. And, and, and I'm glad you added that in there. That's, that's, that's a great point to make. And uh, everybody, please remember that. 
So, well, we will see you guys uh, next episode. Uh, thank you for listening again. Thank you.